Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about what America voted for and didn't vote for in 2020, Frank Gaffney and the future of national security under the Biden or Trump administration, and vote concocting corruption. And after that, of course, I'll tell you why these stories we talked about today matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We're still, now we are two days after the big elections of, of 2020. We had Tuesday's elections and still no answer on many races. Of course, the most important race being for President of the United States. I want to make a few other comments generically about the election, and then we're going to go to a great guest we have joining us, Frank Gaffney, joined me many times on this show. You'll recognize his name, the founder of the Center for Security Policy and a fabulous resource on national security issues of all kinds. And then I'm going to talk in the final segment today about the details about the, I called the segment, uh, vote concocting corruption, but they're actual pieces of information, evidence that are irrefutable in terms of this information is inconsistent with a valid election. But what I wanted to say in the first five today is this. The Democrat Party ran in 2020 on a, a very radical agenda. The Democrat Party itself in the last four years pushed way to the left by the prominence of Bernie Sanders as a Democrat presidential contender. An open socialist has been so forever. In fact, many people say he's closer to communists. Radical leftists galvanized a huge portion of the millennial vote. And so you have the Democrat Party kind of dragged to the left by him not saying they didn't have those inclinations before he came to prominence, but I'm saying he forced them to legitimize or mainstream these very, very left-wing, in my view, completely un-American ideas. We had the election of Congress and the Democrat side. Uh, openly, people are openly members of the Democrat Socialist Party of America. In this 2020 election cycle, it wasn't just the campaign that Biden ran, but really all of the Democrat contenders who tried to get the nomination on the Democrat side for the presidency, all of them floated in varying degrees, very left-wing agendas, much talk about reparations, obviously widely viewed as a socialist idea, the forced redistribution of wealth. A main theme of the, of the left in this country this entire year has been defund the police the most, even by a member of the Black Caucus in Congress saying that is about the dumbest slogan ever, but it was prominent and there were very few Democrats nationwide at the leadership level, very few who would even raise an eyebrow about defund the police. So you had a party turned radical and now I want to talk about what happened on Tuesday. The American voters rejected the left wing trend of the Democrat Party. The American voters rejected it. When you have the Senate, the United States Senate, when you had many more Republicans up than Democrats, so you had a 
higher likelihood that Republicans would lose more seats because, as you likely know, the Senate made up 100 representatives, two senators from each state, 100 people. They have it divided into three sections. They happen to call it class one, class two, and class three. And so any at any national election point every two years, only approximately one third of the Senate is up for re-election. So this time, majority of Republicans rather than Democrats happen to be in the class, class two that was up this time. And still the Republicans in this year of predicted radical blue wave of the Democrats really believing they'd pushed the country to the radical left, you had the American voters not only holding, giving the Republicans to allowing them to retain the majority in the Senate, but actually you, we may even have an increase in the number of the Republican majority in the United States Senate. That is the American people saying, I don't think so on the radical left-wing agenda that the Democrats tried to push in this election cycle. I'll tell you the other overarching piece, there are many other reasons. In fact, the other, uh, the other measure on the U.S. House races, as you likely know, every member of Congress is up for election every two years. It's just the difference between the Congress, the House and the Senate. And in that arena, even though the Democrats appear as though they're going to hold on to the majority, uh, there were Republican victories, Republican increases in the Republican uh, number count in the House, meaning that, again, the American voters overall said no thank you to the radical left-wing agenda that the Democrat Party has put in the faces of the American people over the last four years. As to the election for the presidency, we're going to get to much more of that later, but I'll say this about that. I think more and more Americans are deeply, deeply concerned about the integrity of elections in this country. Deeply concerned, they simply cannot trust the outcome of elections in America, which is supposed to be the representative to the world of the rule of law and the orderly transition of power and an orderly system provided by law set out in the Constitution and the Constitution structure and organized by law and, and should have be and should be a subject of great trust by the American people. But the combination of what more and more Americans are now aware of, which we talked about in this show, Russ Ramblin on my show just in the last few weeks talking about his proof that there is the capacity and the actual evidence of having occurred electronic manipulation of votes that are collected during early voting and held in a computer system a computer system that happens to reside between early voting and election day in Germany, but that's a whole other story. But you have evidence that there has been the ability and actually the execution on tampering with the electronic vote count in America. That's been widely shared. In fact, I'm, I'm aware that many elected officials in Texas and Washington know about this. You have voter rolls massively uh, wrong and have a bearing keeping too many names of people who have either passed away moved on live in two states so you have the problem of inaccurate voter rolls you have electronic vote fraud and then we're watching this election cycle the seeming manipulation of this election by very late cast mail-in ballots many of those mail-in ballots under question by the trump administration and numerous lawsuits are now pending we'll talk about them at the end of the show but i'll wrap up the first five by saying this the American people did not embrace the left-wing effort, the left-wing direction, the left-wing mission of the Democrat Party in America today. They, the American people rejected that in these elections when you can see how the Senate went and how the House went. 
it causes many people to wonder whether we should be still wondering at this point whether or not Donald Trump won re-election or whether or not that presidential level election choice was the unfortunate recipient of vote fraud in one way or another. And many people saying, when you watch the Trump parades, these are not organized by the Trump campaign, not funded, not even suggested by the Trump campaign. These are boat parades and car parades and marching down the streets of American cities, totally spontaneously done, organically done by people who back the Trump agenda. When you see that the Trump rallies are overflowing and were especially in the last few weeks prior to the election, and Joe Biden could not get 10 people to stand still in a school gym for 10 minutes. Many people simply do not believe what is being reported about the election outcome. Just have a hard time accepting that there is somehow a broad cadre of Americans who simply cannot, uh, who went for Biden, despite they otherwise rejected the entire left-wing agenda and showed no enthusiasm for him during the, primary, during the election process. Talk about it more later in the show, but for now, that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I mentioned before we start, we have a guest joining us, Frank Gaffney. He is the founder of the Center for National Security, um, and he is a um, just a great American, great American patriot. I'll give you a little tiny bit about his background. Founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was formerly acted as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy during the Reagan administration, following four years of service as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear Forces and arms control policy. He is a uh, just a towering figure in the world of national security in Washington and around the world, uh, a prominent spokesman on behalf of all sorts of issues in defense of America, especially relating to national security, based in Washington, D.C. And joining me today, I believe we have him on Skype. Hi, Frank. Hello, Debbie. Thank you very much for those uh, exceedingly generous introductory remarks. Well, there happened to be, as my dad used to say, a true story. So, uh, Frank, I want to start with first. You had a piece, it was actually on the uh, Center for Security Policy website uh, that was talking about this election uh, and, and kind of where we are in the middle of this no result yet election. And I think it was called, I actually don't have it here, I guess, but it was called um, God Help Us. And you're basically talking about where we are. Can you tell me from your perspective in Washington, what is your overall reaction to where we are in this in this place where we do not yet have a firm answer of what the election outcome was. What's your read on all the, where we are in America? Well, I think your first five were extremely uh, accurate in characterizing where we are, Debbie. I think this has been a train wreck that has been in the making for some time. Uh, you, you go back to the Obama administration and uh, Barack Obama's uh, pledge on the eve of his first uh, presidential victory, that uh, we were on the eve of uh, uh, fundamentally transforming this country. And I think that's what he set about to do. I think he made it um, his mission while president. I believe he moved the ball as far as he could in the time he had available. I think he assumed Hillary Clinton would carry on once she were uh, elected as his successor, when that didn't happen and Donald Trump grabbed the steering wheel and turned it the other direction, uh, he made it his mission, as did others uh, in his party and on the left more generally, to do everything possible to destroy Donald Trump. 
and we saw this in any number of uh, aspects of uh, the period between his uh, famously coming down the uh, escalator in Trump Tower in New York uh, right through to the present day. But uh, Debbie, I think where we find ourselves right now, and the, the reason in my commentary yesterday I invoked God's uh, blessing on us is that uh, this is perilously close, despite everything you said, which is true, that the American people don't want to see their country transformed into a socialist, let alone a totalitarian state. They don't want to give up their freedoms. They don't want to um, submit to the diktats of uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Ilan Omar or AOC or any of these other radical Democrats, yes, to some extent, but Marxists, I think, increasingly describes them. Um, even Joe Biden and going along with their manifesto uh, dictated by Bernie Sanders and uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. These are people who have either become, I guess, fellow travelers or um, out and outright Marxists, but what they have in mind is not something the rest of us want. And it is inexplicable, other than by fraud, that we are at a point now where Joe Biden is within six electoral college votes of becoming the president of the United States. And Donald Trump has a lot more ground to cover, uh, but uh, a, a shot at it, but not a great shot, I think it has to be said. And that, I think, does, again, um, come down to the fact that this train wreck this fundamental transformation, whatever you want to call it, uh, had been engineered for certainly months, if not years, and we've just seen its uh, its culmination up to a point. Now, what we haven't seen yet, uh, but that is coming, I feel quite certain, is uh, what's been described as a color revolution, uh, a campaign to uh, go into the streets to destabilize uh, not just the Trump administration, to delegitimize it, to uh, further discredit this whole electoral process for the purpose of ultimately, if they can, bringing down our constitutional republic in its entirety. Uh, and they will use violence, they will use uh, civil disorder and disruptions, they will use uh, so-called peaceful demonstrations and whatever else uh, they think is necessary to try to achieve those two goals. Uh, yes, remove Donald Trump from office at last. And yes, uh, end the form of government that uh, we take for granted, uh, that has given us such blessings, uh, but that is not a permanent state of affairs. Uh, just last thought, my old boss, Ronald Reagan, used to talk about every generation facing an existential threat to freedom. And if we don't fight for it, if we don't protect it and pass it on to our children to do the same, we will find, as he put it famously at one point, ourselves telling our children and our children's children what it was like to live in the United States when men were free. Now, that's not something I intend to do, but uh, I'm afraid that's now indistinct prospect. 
This is part, I'm so glad you're able to join me today. And I should mention to our listeners yesterday, we had a great interview with another gentleman who was affiliated with the Center for Security Policy, Kyle Scheidler, who was also talking about the similar kinds of ideas. And the reason I want to get back with you today, Frank, and talk about this is, I mean, with the votes, uh, we believe all the votes have been cast, except, you know, the ones who are still in the basement somewhere filling out more of the mail-in ballots. But for the rest of America who cast ballots, I think there were many Americans alert to what you're talking about, that whatever uh, used to be seen as a radical extreme, small little element of America has become mainstream Democrat um, agenda. I think that there are just a lot of voters who really didn't know that, that maybe they thought all they were doing was, uh, you know, they want to vote for someone who's nicer, someone doesn't have the uh, New York City brashness of Donald Trump. But I don't think, I still believe, is why I think that the, it's, it's a signal of the American people's preferences that they held on to Republican majority in the Senate, they increased the Republican minority in the House. I don't think that the majority of Americans wanted what is coming. And I also think it's incumbent on people like you, especially, and Kyle Scheidler and the Center for Security Policy, to keep on telling people how serious and earnest and determined this leftist Marxist takeover of America is, this agenda is, in America today. It's not like they're thinking, well, we're still paving the way and maybe 10 more years, 20 more years. They are wanting to disrupt America and cause people to be so fearful that we concede to what they ask for with the sense somehow if we just give in, then maybe uh, everything can be okay again. And I just, I, 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 I want to keep talking about this topic because I want my listeners not only to learn it, but to share it with their friends just how earnest and far down the path the left is and how we don't see, too many people don't see what they're watching as a Marxist revolution in the making, they think it's just a series of kind of crazy radical leftist groups. So I want to go back to that and talk a little bit more about these groups in the streets. Like the, there's a, in Washington, D.C. Actually, I want to actually ask you this. The color revolution, you use that term. I Because you used it sometime recently when we spoke, I looked it up. Can you describe what that term means, where it comes from? Sure. It's been a hallmark of a number of uprisings around the world. Um, Perhaps one of the best known is uh, the one in Ukraine, in which uh, not infrequently the activists who put it together adopt the color of the flag or sort of traditional color of their nation. In the case of Ukraine, for example, it was orange. And it came to be known as the Orange Revolution, hence the color revolution. Um, another, which I guess was green, um, because it was the color of, um, uh, you know, Islam, uh, was the Muslim Brotherhood's color revolution in Egypt. Um, that one had the effect of uh, removing uh, Hosni Mubarak, a long time if imperfect yeah. uh, friend of the United States, and bringing to power. Uh, enemies of the United States, the Muslim Brotherhood, with the strong support of Barack Obama's administration, the Obama-Biden administration. Yeah, wasn't that Morsi? Excuse me. Go ahead. Uh, Mohamed Morsi was the uh, Muslim Brotherhood figure who took over uh, after Mubarak was overthrown. But um, this is, uh, I believe, uh, the Egyptian revolution in particular is part of the playbook that people um, now on the radical left, uh, the revolutionaries in our country, are, seem to be 
intent on uh, executing against Donald Trump. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Debbie, you were kind of grace our uh, television program, SecuringAmerica.tv, um, the other day, and we uh, discussed this a bit. Um, today, we did a profile on one of these revolutionaries, a woman by the name of Lisa Fathian, uh, and she has uh, been prominent in fomenting uh, the insurrection. Uh, she's been active with Antifa, with Black Lives Matter, with trade unions, um, and now with the group that is uh, laying, uh, well, beginning to lay siege to the White House. It's, uh, it's called Shut Down DC. And in the course of this, uh, my monologue in that show, I, I showed her talking about working with people who are willing to break windows of federal buildings so that they can be occupied, and we need to do that, as she put it. That, you're the attorney, uh, Debbie, but um, my distinct impression is that would rise to a felony offense uh, for conspiring to attack uh, and damage federal property. Uh, and it seems to me that it's high time that uh, people like uh, uh, Lisa Fithiana ought to be, you know, uh, arrested and removed from the kind of instigator role that she's currently playing uh, that will bring mayhem uh, to our streets uh, and perhaps have the end result they seek, uh, the overthrow of, again, both our sitting president and our country in due course. Um, you know, one great point that Kyle Shriver was talking about yesterday, uh, and actually I agree with you, Frank, by the way, yes, yeah, she's talking about committing crimes, conspiring, urging others to commit crimes, and it is astonishing actually at this point that so many people and actors like her remain out free to speak, free to at do large. the next Zoom call. The next right. thing, yeah. Kyle Shadler made the point, too, though, that many Americans, who, and maybe those especially who are tired of or concerned about the violence in America's cities, they might have the idea, or I, I pose the question, they might have the idea, well, let's just, maybe if we just take Trump out and we get Joe Biden in, all these people will quiet down and go away. And Kyle said, no, that is not true. They're not really just trying to be sure Trump loses and Biden wins. It's a deeper mission they have. Can you also talk about that? Yeah, I think that's really the point. Uh, they will try to convey the impression that they will leave us alone if we'll just give them what they want. Um, that's the kind of mafiosa uh, approach. Uh, I think we talked about this the other day. You know, you got a nice store here. It'd be terribly sad if something bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. an extortion kind of operation. Um, and whether it's the store or whether it's the White House, uh, these are people who intend to exercise whatever pressure is necessary, or they'll get away with at least, to um, affect both this immediate political transformation, but uh, make no mistake about it, whether Joe Biden's in office or Kamala Harris is in office or you know anybody else for that matter is in office, they will not cease their efforts um, because they're Marxists. They're trained, self-declared Marxists. And their objective has to be, ultimately, uh, the demise of a country that is in the way of the fulfillment of the Marxist's goal. And that's where we find ourselves at the moment. We must not accede 
to this extortion. We must resist it, and we must ultimately, uh, you know, affect the victory over this enemy within, as well as, by the way, the Chinese Communist Party, which is actively aiding and abetting it as well from outside. It's an astonishing thing. Frank, I know when I asked you about joining me in today's show, you said you really need to be at a, we're at our wrap up time, I think. So uh, I'm going to just say that next time we do this, uh, hopefully we know when we who's our president. But I had want to talk with you about just contrasting the national security policy priorities the Trump administration should have for the next time around, contrast it with how you think the Biden administration, what they would see as their priorities, because they're not on the same page. But I promise we're done at 3.30. So Frank Gaffney, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure's mine. I look forward to coming back and having a much longer conversation, Debbie. Thank you. We'll do it, sir. Good. Take care. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. folks, I got to tell you, Frank Gaffney, Center for Security Policy. You can follow him. Actually, just put in secure. If you ever want to read his writings, securefreedom.org. He's a great writer, great thinker, as you heard, uh, roots in the Reagan administration and the early era of fighting what was then the mortal enemy of Russia and, communi- and just communist Russia and their aggression, uh, the Soviet Union's aggression um, around the world. Uh, lessons learned from that he's taken into and really made a fabulous uh, contribution to America through the formation of the Center for Security Policy and coming up with all sorts of taking the reasoning and lessons learned from that and applying them to all the challenges America faces in many, many arenas. So just great writer. Um, And one thing I was going to mention to you that was on their website, and um, I didn't get to get to them with, but there's a lot of talk about the time to fight these, not just what he's talking about, fight in, in the you know fight back against push back against this impending marxist revolution in america but the time to fight them is now and actually it, it kind of easily topples over into what i want to talk about for the rest of today which is where we are in the presidential race what it is that we have president trump doing as we have states yet not yet called we had states that president trump won on election day and we have pouring in before us ballots um, uh, absentee ballots uh, mail-in ballots that seem to be somehow almost all going for joe biden and and very very strongly increasing concerns uh, among millions of americans that fraud is at the root of what we're watching but I first want to ask just a little, uh, Maria Bartiroma, the brilliant Fox News uh, host, she had a tweet out that made a really great summary of it. So I believe I sent that to Matt the Wonderful. I'll quick put that tweet up and show you what she had to say. She says, this is Maria Bartiroma three hours ago, so maybe five hours ago by now. 4 a.m. dump, Wisconsin, 65,000 votes, 100% for Biden. 4 a.m. dump, Michigan, 138,499 votes. 100% for Biden. Arizona poll workers forcing voters to use Sharpies, which result in invalidated ballots, which is now being investigated in Arizona, and Trump leading in Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and they stop counting before the vote ferry visits overnight. That's the language of Maria Bartiromo. But this is why, when you look at those, what she's talking about there, this is why, just a beginning example of why so many Americans are deeply, deeply concerned. 
because they don't think that we're waiting for an honest continuing count of the ballot, but we are instead, as I decided to call this topic, uh, topic we're called vote concocting corruption. And this is where we are. And I want to run through some of the reasons why it matters so much that Donald Trump decides to hang in there strong and continue fighting. I did said in the first five, and I'll say it again um, one more time very quickly, at least it's clear that the American people did not in this 2020 election cycle, they did not agree to the radical leftist agenda that has been put out there by Bernie Sanders, AOC, the entire leftist cabal running the Democrat Party. America did not embrace that. America in, helped, they at least stabilize, if not increase the majority Republicans have in the Senate. And they increase the Republican House seats in the U.S. House, even though it appears the Democrats will have a slim majority still in the U.S. House. But it's very consequential as a measure of what the American people think, that they, did, they rejected this massive predictive blue wave that the American people rejected. Makes people question more and more why it is all these things happen, but somehow we're supposed to believe that Trump uh, was not, um, you know, was not able to carry the day, especially in places uh, where he was way up at the end of election day, and somehow now is uh, with with all the uh, magically appearing mail-in ballots, he is now uh, fighting to stay um, to stay in the race. So I'll tell you first that the White House, at least earlier today, uh, put out their statement. Um, they were talking about. They, how they see their path to victory. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, uh, who is so brilliant and fun to listen to, um, she basically said the White House path to Trump win runs through Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia. We talked about Arizona yesterday. In Arizona, the uh, Fox News, which did a deplorable, they were deplorable actually, on election night, giving the, uh, awarding the uh, state of Arizona to the Biden column really early in the evening. Very quickly, the GOP chair in Arizona, Kelly Ward, was out there on social uh, news, and I think she put a statement out just saying, this is being called way too early. Fox, you're going to look silly. You're going to look bad. Don't do this. And she's talking about basically that the uncounted ballots in Arizona are largely coming from Maricopa County, which is overwhelmingly Republican. And that if the trend they were seeing in the counting of ballots in Maricopa County continued their two to one for Trump over Biden, Trump would win that state. And again, the media and several other outlets are trying to push to stick Arizona into the blue column and um, the uh, you know, the, the Republicans in Arizona are hanging strong and saying, no, we're actually going to fight this. There is a rally tomorrow. If you happen to be listening in Arizona, there is a rally tomorrow at 10 a.m. in Phoenix outside the voting center. Um, if you want to know the address, you can email me at americancanwetalk at gmail.com. I don't have the address available, but you can, oh, I might be able to find it. But you can find, you can go to that rally. And uh, here, I'll tell you what the address is of that happy rally um, because someone sent it to me. Yeah, protect the vote rally tomorrow. 10 a.m. Uh, Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center, 510 South 3rd Avenue in Phoenix. So I don't know if it interests you, but this is something where it is actually helpful to have the grassroots on the streets outside the voting centers demanding. And really what they're doing is conveying the message to the vote counters. We are watching you. We are watching you. We understand, and I'll tell you what Frank Gaffney alluded to, I will just say straight out, how this election in 2020 appears to be going. It seems like it was a long, 
ahead of time set in play a set play to where the American people were kind of conditioned to believe we just have to have lots of mail-in ballots this time because of COVID, even though that wasn't necessary. And the mail-in ballots seem to be pouring in, as you just saw from Rita Bartiroma's tweet, they seem to be pouring in at pretty much 100% for Biden. And we're all supposed to go, oh, who knew? You know, election day, Trump wins in all these states, but all of a sudden, look at this, who knew? Mail-in ballots all for Biden. And there is a growing suspicion we simply cannot trust the outcome of this election, especially based on the mail-in ballots. I want to play for you a video. The um, Project Veritas people strike again. Project Veritas, the word Veritas meaning truth, that organization that actually does undercover videos, and they record people who don't know they're being recorded. We played one a few weeks ago from San Antonio, Texas, where these two women were actually just openly, not they didn't know they're being recorded, but looking in the camera saying, oh yeah, yeah, I can deliver you, you know, 5,000 votes for this amount of money in this race. I can deliver votes, just tell me where you need them. And, and actually quoting prices for how many votes they could produce. Project Veritas recorded them. But this video on Project Veritas is simply unbelievable. It involves, it relates to this late rush of mail-in ballots, all the questions, of course, about legitimacy, what laws are in place that govern the mail-in ballots, what ballots can be counted, when they have to be postmarked. But let me have Matt the Wonderful play this Project Veritas video, and then we'll talk about it. Tell, tell us where you work. I work in the Traverse City Post Office, more specifically the Barlow Branch. Your boss told you and your colleagues something that shocked you this morning. What was it? We were issued a directive this morning to collect any ballots we find in mailboxes, collection boxes, just outgoing mail in general, separate them at the end of the day so that they could uh, hand stamp them with the previous day's date. Today is November 4th, for clarification. Who is your boss and what is his title? Jonathan would be a direct supervisor, yes. Uh, as of right now, he is the opening supervisor for the Barlow Branch post office. So I, and this is anecdotal, uh, carrier down in another office said they watched the postmaster doing it. Um, if it were just a typical day, it would be clerks doing it up at the distribution center. So 8 p.m. election day, November 3rd, uh, the Court of Appeals uh, ruled ballots have to be received by that time. And, and what were you told? To separate them today so they could mark them with yesterday's date and send them through the express system to wherever they needed to go. This appears to be an attempt to circumvent Michigan law and allow late votes. And uh, you said there was a hamper where letter carriers were supposed to leave their ballots. Where are the ballots now? They were putting them into express bags to go to the distribution center. In regards to a uh, hamper, there was a standard hamper that all letter mail was supposed to go to, and they had a tub next to it that we were supposed to put any ballots collected stay into. Yes. What made you come forward? Uh, that's sketchy. <laughs> I don't like sketchy. It screams corruption. Uh, also knowing the post office's leanings politically, it, it didn't seem quite right. What is your message to other postal workers who see things like this? Report it. Report it. How are we supposed to have any integrity in this country if we are just going to let things slide based on a scaling issue? Are you afraid of retaliation against you? Uh... I've had whistleblower policies backfire on me in the past, so yes. We'll have to reach out to Jonathan Clark for comment. Uh, hey, is this Jonathan? Yes. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm a reporter with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe here, and I have a, I have information that you guys have been stamping ballots with the previous date, November 3rd. 
He just hung up he the just phone hung on up. me. He just hung up the phone on me. Okay, folks. I know that there are always anecdotal stories. Every election, and I have worked elections. I've been an election clerk, an election judge. I've been a poll watcher. I've done it all for, for elections for years and years. I know after every election, there are always a bunch of stray stories out there. Someone will say, oh, you know, I worked at polling location, blah, blah. And, you know, someone cast their vote. And then when the, it, it popped up again to review, you know, some of their votes have been changed. And it usually turns out that the person had been who was making the vote had made a mistake or you know had incorrectly entered something my point is i'm aware of many false accusations or you know not even if they're just knowingly false but just kind of confused mistaken accusations or suspicions about cheating and voting i'm aware of this this is not that this is a guy who is so concerned about losing his job that he's disguising his voice, coming forward, volunteering to come forward to Project Veritas to tell them that as a U.S. Postal Service worker, he was told to take ballots that got mailed too late, put them in a different bin so they could be postmarked for the previous day to appear as though they met the statutory and court-imposed standard of when the ballots had to be date stamped. That's one concern people have, but it's a huge concern. Why would anyone, tell me, why would anyone, a postal service supervisor, risk their job to tell people to do something clearly illegal, to tell postal workers to maneuver mail and get it into a place where they're going to date stamp it the previous day when it wasn't mailed the previous day. Why would anyone do that? Except, I mean, I guess you have the rogue uh, U.S. Postal Service supervisor who just, you know, loves Biden so much or hates Trump so much. But this is a, this is a very serious allegation. I don't know who's going to investigate, but very, very serious. This kind of thing is among the many kind of things that make people nervous about this election cycle. Second little video I want to share with you. So Rudy Giuliani, the lawyer for President Trump and a team of lawyers have filed lawsuits in various states where these mail-in ballots after Trump has won on Election Day. And by the way, Election Day includes everyone who votes on Election Day, plus all the early vote which is itself all the early vote subject to the potential for the interference with the manipulation, the corruption that you heard Russ Ramsland explain on this show last week or two weeks ago, talking about how his organization has proven that there, the, uh, there has been not only the ability, but it has actually occurred of electronic manipulation of voting data after voting closes, the so early voting ends, there's a lapse period, and then election day arrives. And in that lapse period, that data of early voting outcomes is stored on a computer. This gentleman who's been on my show, Russ Ramsen, has brought this information to the attention of, very, of numerous officials and which is that they can show that votes were shifted in this time between end of early voting and when election day started. And so that's another arena, another area because of concern about whether what we're seeing and the vote outcome in America is consistent with truth and with facts. But the other thing I want to share with you today uh, and talk about is President Trump's team has been filing lawsuits 
relating to the counting of early ballots. I want to ask um, Matt the Wonderful to play a clip by Rudy Giuliani. He's explaining one series of the lawsuits, one issue, which has to do with the refusal of some officials in Pennsylvania to let poll watchers, which are a central part of election integrity, poll watchers observe the counting of the mail-in ballots. So Matt, if you'd play that one little uh, clip. We have filed a lawsuit. The lawsuit actually required that when these mail-in ballots that you know are highly suspicious anyway, this form of balloting has always been considered the most prone to fraud. That's according to the New York Times when it didn't apply to candidate President Trump. Well, we were supposed to be allowed by law to observe the counting of the ballots. Now, observe means to any intelligent person being able to look at it. The way it's interpreted by the Democrat crooked machine of Philadelphia is that the observers can be 20 or 30 feet away, never able to see the ballot itself, never able to see if it was properly postmarked, properly addressed, properly signed on the outside. All the things that often lead to disqualification of ballots or make it very easy to dump 50,000 totally fraudulent ballots because they're not observed. This went on for 20 hours while all of you thought there was some kind of legitimate count going on here in Philadelphia. It was totally illegitimate. And the reason I wanted to play that is because I think that if you just scan mainstream media news and you can scan all sorts of places and if they're looking for people, if there are people in media who want to just elect Biden at all costs, they're beginning to use that typical tool of the left of mockery and derision and claiming, oh, now Trump is suing over everything and Trump is suing over, you know, uh, they're trying to count ballots and Trump is stopping them which is what they were claiming this was, that they, the people were trying to count ballots and Trump was stopping them. No, Trump is actually saying, the Trump team is saying that you have to comply with election law and permit actual observers, actual poll watchers, watch what you're doing. So if you're getting a bunch of ballots that got, that got, got filled out in some basement last night, coming into the voting center, you'd easily be able to see if they were problematic by looking at the envelope, but you can't see them because you're forced to sit 20 or 30 feet away. Uh, the whole purpose of the poll watcher has been, has been um, eliminated. Now, I, I will say that particular problem in Pennsylvania, I believe the Pennsylvania Supreme Court finally did say to uh, the uh, elections department, you actually have to let them really poll watch, not just pretend poll watch sitting too far away where they can't see anything. That doesn't count for poll watching. The court has said that. Numerous reports still out that even after the court said to the elections department, you have to let them actually see that the elections officials are still not letting the poll watchers do this. And I ask you this, just ponder this. If you think that every election in America has been completely clean, no cheating, nothing wrongdoing, and all this is a bunch of hyperbole or sour grapes or attempt to agitate the American people, ask yourself this, why, why would any elections official who, if they are in charge of an election of this magnitude in the 2020 presidential election cycle, and they recognize how toxic the political environment is, 
Why would any election official in Philadelphia or anywhere else in this country have hesitated for a nanosecond about letting poll watchers in? Why did the Trump team have to go to court to get the Pennsylvania court to order the election officials to follow election law? It's not like the election officials did not know the law. They knew. They just decided if we can keep these creepy poll watchers out, we're going to do it. And only because the Trump team, the legal team, the Trump administration brought it to the attention, not just of the court, but to the American people. They finally got an order saying you got to let them watch and still reports are ongoing that they're not permitting that to happen. There's another. So that's one reason that you're seeing litigation out of the White House, out of the Trump legal team. Another legal issue I want to really I want to spend a little bit of time about because I think it actually matters in understanding how serious and consequential this litigation is. Again, if you read the mainstream media, you think that all of the election counting and the poll and the mail in ballot counting was just flowing smoothly along and everyone's following the law and everything is hunky-dory and Trump comes along and tries to stir things up you know he's just it's sour grapes because Trump thinks he's gonna lose and that's why he's doing this but let me explain some of the serious issues actually I'll explain this serious issue in one moment there's one other quick story to tell you I decided not to share the video of this but I'll just tell you the story in quick summary form there is a woman, a lawyer from Texas, who is on the Trump legal team. She, this woman on the Trump legal team, was sent up to observe, poll, to be poll watching in Detroit. In Detroit, so she's poll watching, they're apparently letting them in there to do poll watching, and she was told she could go, she, she was able to leave, but she didn't leave, she decided to hang around. It's four in the morning four in the morning and she just said she her language and this woman's name she's not hiding her name her name is kelly sorrell she's a texas lawyer and a member of lawyers for trump she's in detroit poll watching as they are counting votes she sat outside the polling the poll counting area the vote counting area and she observed a truck pull up at four in the morning and people get out of the truck and load boxes into a wagon and pull the wagon into the voting location place she took a video of it and she said you know this is kind of weird i don't know what and she actually described them bringing in suitcases coolers and a rolled wagon with some kind of box in it into the voting location at four in the morning now i understand and, and so she's saying this looks very very suspicious to me what is being brought in in those boxes? Are these, you know, the latest uh, mail-in ballots that the Democrats are magically finding somewhere? I mean, what is it? What is being brought in at four in the morning, in the dark of night? So she has it in video. She puts a video out there. Of course, it went viral. So I'll tell you two things. One is that there is a uh, media outlet, a, a television station, a local television station in Detroit, that quick put out a story and said oh wait a minute wait a minute you know that's you know, this is crazy this is uh, making a fuss over nothing that guy you know who's pulling the wagon you know he's uh, that's our guy and he was just bringing in some camera equipment and because it was heavy he put it in a wagon 
And so, you know, that could be true. And that's what they're saying. And so they're using the usual mocking ridicule about this woman. And they're saying, you know, what, why is she making a big fuss? And she made, she made, she, you know, made everybody concerned. It was unjustified. This is a normal thing. This guy just happened to be putting his, at four in the morning, putting his camera equipment, his videographer into a wagon and pulling it into the station, uh, into where the poll counting was happening. So she, this lawyer, uh, Kelly Sorrell, uh, told the story, gave it to several news outlets, the video went viral, and this news outlet is now calling, saying, oh, no, no, that's not true. You know, she's, um, you know, she, she's just, um, she, she misunderstood, at the very best, she misunderstood, or she's stirring up trouble where it's unjustified. So they're, they're really mocking her. Um, but I will say this, I think that if that news station story is true, that the person in the video who you can see unloading stuff out of the back of the truck at four in the morning in the dark and pulling it in, taking it to the voting location. Why they were going there with the camera, I don't know. Maybe there was another floor of the building or the basement or the floor of the building that he had some legitimate reason to be there. But you think he would come forward. You think he, the actual guy, with the stuff out of the van would come forward and say, hey, let me do a, pr a quick press conference for you. My name is Joe Blow, and that was me in that video that this Kelly Sorrell uh, recorded. And um, I was just getting out. This is all that was in the camera. This is all that was in my wagon. Here it is. It was a camera. That's not, I just used a wagon because it was heavy. You, he would do that. Why wouldn't you do that when there's this level of concern in this election cycle? And the second thing is Kelly Sorrell also went on to say visitors were able to enter and leave the facility where the votes were being counted without any identification check. The workers are apparently working six hour shifts. They didn't need to have overnight luggage, but they were able to come and go rather freely. And so so that is another issue going on in Detroit. Another reason for a portion of the Trump litigation filed in this ongoing vote count. Final thing I want to mention on the litigation. And I'm doing this, I'm covering this because I want to make clear the media is going nuts with the argument that Biden has this one, it's all over, and all we're seeing is noise out of Trump and last man desperation. There's nothing to these allegations. He's just stirring up trouble, uh, trying to find some reason to get, um, you know, to uh, overturn some election result. But I will tell you, there was a great argument made in some of the litigation Trump's team filed. And very quickly, I'm going to summarize the legal argument uh, in my few remaining minutes here. Uh, but that was this. In the Constitution, in the Elections Clause of the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4, the Constitution provides that the elections, it says, the state legislatures have authority to set the time, place, and manner of federal elections, the rules governing election process, including absentee ballots. Everyone understands this is a function the Constitution has assigned to the states, to the state legislatures, the elected legislators. What the Trump team is raising in several of these pieces of litigation or several causes of action is you have all sorts of decisions being made outside of the legislature's setting up of the process. You have decisions being made by election department officials, governors, other individuals in these various states who are making new policy. Well, based on COVID, you know, we got to extend the deadline. We got to change this. We got to do this. I know even in the great state of Texas, we had our governor, Republican governor, but he extended the uh, dates for early voting in Texas because of COVID. He made them 
He made early voting start even earlier, and there is either litigation, I think there's litigation against him on that point. It's the job of the legislature. And the reason it matters, it's not just, oh, who cares, legislators, election department officials, governors, who cares, anyone can do it. The point is, the Constitution put it that way because you want to have the people who are making policy related to elections, changing the rules about ballots, changing the rules about whether your ballot has to match the signature on file, changing the rules about deadlines, changing the rules about anything related to mail-in ballots, you want those people, elected legislators, accountable to the people. What's happening in this election cycle, because of the frenzy and tizzy America has been worked into in this election cycle, in great part due to COVID, is that you have policy being made by uh, individuals other than legislators. And there were many people, serious constitutional lawyers, serious election lawyer experts saying, you can't be doing this. You can't just be making up stuff as you go along, changing the rules about when something is valid, changing the rules about when your, your uh, ballot has to be postmarked, changing the rule about what if there's no postmark at all. You can't start changing the rules. So you have Trump's team filed a lawsuit in Georgia in the, in the Georgia situation, Atlanta is another one of those. Georgia, Trump won Georgia hands down on election day, but you have the, the left, the leftists in this country, the Biden supporters uh, playing games with the vote in Georgia. You had a GOP poll observer saw 53, 5-3 late absentee ballots illegally added to a stack of on-time absentee ballots in just one county. That comes from Deputy Campaign Manager and Senior Counsel Justin Clark. He says, we're essentially, these are Democrat officials permitting the Democrats to steal this election. This is one of the reasons that the Trump administration is litigating, because you have a morass of people under the radar of the elected legislators functioning under the radar, seemingly engaging in conduct that may actually change the outcome of the election, and these people do not have the authority to do that. Um, there are many, many stories, I, other stories I could talk with you about. Um, I'm going to wait to another day. There was some good data about Trump in terms of the shift and who's supporting him, who's defending him. Um, but I want to just close out by saying uh, we're going to uh, apparently not know the answer to the uh, election uh, in America you know, at least uh, by the end of today, probably not even until next week or even the week after. But what we are seeing is numerous actions by elected officials, by poll, by um, election officials, by, I, those are two different things, elected officials and election officials changing rules trying to make it, it seems to be more likely that they're somehow engaging in some form of fraud. And this is an election where the Trump team is not going to take this sitting down. They are not going to wait it out and just trust the system and trust all the people in the system. They are going to make sure through this litigation that you get the outcome that's fair, actually based on the will of the voters, the actual legal voters who cast a legal ballot on time. They're the ones whose votes count only. Nobody else's count. One last thing I'll tell you before I go to my first, my why it matters to you is one good example of the extreme frustration um, that the Trump team is facing is the refusal, is the early calling of some states for Biden like Arizona, when it still is unknown. In fact, the Arizona Republican officials are saying it looks like it's going to go to Trump. And then you have the example of North Carolina. Election results, they, the North Carolina officials announced, won't be known till next week. 
So the country continues to get dragged through this. Obviously, obviously, the whole notion of delaying the uh, announcement of a winner in North Carolina, which Trump won on Election Day, but delaying the outcome of that, the announcing of the outcome, claiming somehow we simply can't count votes any faster, so we're just stuck with this, is you add momentum to the Biden effort to just bulldoze through this process. The Biden effort to bulldoze through and claim that they actually, they are the winners, they're done, and, and then all we're waiting is for the formal electoral college process. All of this game playing so far in our country has inured to the benefit of the Biden team and their effort, it seems to many Republican voters, to steal this election, to say, we're going to, we're going to, as you saw Marie Bartiromo's tweet, uh, we're going to cease counting when we could be counting. We're going to refuse to announce the winner in North Carolina when it should be Trump. You know, the momentum, either side getting close to the magic 270 number uh, of electoral college votes, it adds momentum and it actually adds a fatigue factor to people who may have been supporters of Trump. Who's saying, well, it looks like he lost. I guess you lost. Let's just move on. We cannot do this, people. What you heard from Frank Gaffney today, what you heard from Kyle Scheidler yesterday, all make the point that it is a very, very serious election cycle with very dangerous elements on the American left pushing a radical Marxist uh, change of America from a, a country rooted in freedom and the Constitution to a Marxist-style government, which they are pushing. And if we had a Trump administration win out, there would be far more willingness of the Trump administration to put a stop, to, to stand down these violent leftists. And if you have a Biden administration, they'll be rolling out the red carpet for what these leftists are up to. Many more things we could cover, but I'm out of time for today. By the time I talk to you next Monday, uh, a lot will have happened. I, whenever I get ready for Monday's show, honestly, there's so much that's happened. I'm wishing I could talk even faster than I do to get to everything, but we'll um, watch our website. Check our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. We're gonna have commentary up. We're gonna have stories up you can read. Go and go to my Twitter feed at Debbie Can We Talk. There you'll have, we'll have stories up, especially Facebook. We're very active on Facebook for under America Can We Talk. Keep following the stories. When we get around to Monday, we'll t I'll tell you where we are. But this is a fight. I, I, I tell you, Joe Biden said one thing in the entire campaign cycle I agreed with. Joe Biden said this election is a battle for the soul of America. And he's right. And the soul of America, as we saw from the 2020 election outcomes in the U.S. Senate and the House in races all over this country, the soul of America still loves freedom. The soul of America wants the Trump agenda. The soul of America got behind President Trump. And we are watching slow playing out in front of us a long planned effort by the left to steal this election regardless of the outcome that the voters actually chose. And it is incumbent on President Trump and his team to fight every step of the way to make sure that at the end of the day it is the will of the voters that prevails and not the will of those who wish to steal this election. Well, I could go on and on, but I got to roll. Uh, as I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started today talking about what America voted for in 2020. The Senate stayed under our control despite more than many more R's and D's were up for re-election. Republicans gained seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. Blacks, Hispanics, other minorities moved significantly toward R. I didn't even get to that story, but I will next week. Uh, Zapata County in Texas voted R. 
Majority are for the first time in 100 years. This is a majority Hispanic community near the border. Voted majority Republican first time in 100 years. At a minimum, this means despite mainstream media claiming a blue wave sweeping the country, Americans did not vote for defunding the police. Americans did not vote for ending the fossil fuel industry. Americans did not vote for socialism. So, Millions of Americans are struggling with the question, did Biden really win the number of votes our election system says he did? Overhaul of America's election system, voter rolls, voter ID, vote tabulation software and systems is critical. Election fraud is an existential threat to America. And vote concocting corruption. Rudy Giuliani heightened the absurdity of Philadelphia Observer rules, no ability to observe. They had to go to court to make the election officials follow the law. Video captured late last night, arri late night arrival in Detroit of vans and wagons with possible new ballots. Project Veritas released video of the United States Postal Service whistleblower outing orders to backdate postmarks on ballots. I, I, I find that story astonishing. Stats show multiple jurisdictions where vote tallies exceeded the number of registered voters. That was a piece that's on our website, AmericanCommunityTalk.org, uh, coming out of Tom Fitton and the Judicial Watch Organization. We have many jurisdictions where the number of voters registered exceeds the voting age population in that area. Seems like there's a problem. The evidence of voting election fraud is not anecdotal, or it's not only anecdotal, it's systemic. It's overwhelming. It is orders of magnitude more abundant and serious than any other election. Millions believe that Donald Trump won re-election and recognize now is the time to fight. And there can be no surrender to this apparent egregious attempted stealing of an election. The fraud is exposed. It cannot be accepted or tolerated by Americans. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Email me at americachemitalk at gmail.com. Go to our website, americachemitalk.org. Hit that subscribe button. You get a once a week email from me. Comes out on Fridays. Links to all week's shows and interviews. Great way to catch up on the show on the weekend. Great way to share the show. If you're able to support this show, this, this show is supported entirely by listeners. If you're able to help support it, you see you don't have ads disrupting the show, you have me talking to you about America. I could use your support. There's a donate button on the website, americacanwetalk.org. You can go there and make a one-time donation or a recurring donation. It'll help me fight what I now am facing is social media censors closing down things I tell you, closing down stories, taking videos down that I've done. I need your help. I have many ways to combat that. If I can get your generous support, I'd appreciate that. I'll close up again as I start this show out. I believe that America, the 2020 elections, Americans firmed, confirmed they want America the free, America the great, America the constitutional, America the unique, extraordinary gift of human liberty that is our country. Americans want their country. They do not want the, what the left is offering. It's our job as patriots in this generation to fight for that America. So thanks for tuning in. America Can We Talk, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can